Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Dan, and welcome to our Wednesday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Today, it is all draft. Tim Bielek joins me, and he answers football insider subscriber questions about next week's NFL draft being held, of course, right here in Cleveland. We talk about uh, some trade-up possibilities, even some trade-down possibility. He gives us some cornerback rankings. Everything draft that our football insider subscribers wanted to know. And, of course, if you want to be a football insider subscriber, you know you just have to go to cleveland.com slash browns, click on the blue banner, at the top of the page to get more info and get signed up. Get that exclusive newsletter every single day in your inbox. Get access to those exclusive stories on cleveland.com slash browns. And, of course, be a part of our texting subscription. Again, that's cleveland.com slash browns, the blue banner at the top of the page. All right, let's talk some NFL draft. Here's our Wednesday podcast. Here we go on our Wednesday podcast. We are going all draft on this one. Tim Bielek joining me. Tim, how are you? Doing pretty good. How are you? Doing well. All right, let's get right to it. I went to our Football Insider subscribers and said, hey, what draft questions do you have? And as they always do, when we ask for questions, they came through. So I'm just going to start here at the top. And this one comes from the 614 area code, and it's about the cornerback position. Is Asante Samuel worth the 26th pick if the top four cornerbacks are gone? And if not Samuel... Is any other cornerback worth that pick? In our dueling mock draft I did with Ellis, I had Samuel going to the Browns at 26. And it's it was one of those situations where, you know, he's clearly the fifth guy. I think he's in a tier by himself behind those top four corners that we've talked about. And I know size can be a limiting factor. He's only about 5'10", I think about 182 pounds. So obviously you're getting a guy with a very similar frame to Denzel Ward. And I've talked about how I feel the Browns could use a taller corner opposite Ward. But the thing I see with Samuel that sticks out is he is very instinctive. Like he has very great ball skills. He has great agility. And when you watch his highlight film, he has a lot of, he has a really good closing burst. There was one play I saw where he almost intercepts a bubble screen, which is an amazing closing burst. Now he doesn't get it, but he makes an amazing acrobatic play to pick it up to almost intercept it. But this to knock it away is what he ended up doing. But I look at that as an interesting thing that tells me what Samuel can do. It's kind of a stretch. If you want to say he's worth 26, he certainly has the talent for that. It's a question of whether or not you're willing to overlook size limitations, which I'd be willing to do. I think we've seen a lot of shorter corners be productive in the NFL. Denzel Ward, of course, being one of them. So 
two might be a little much, but if he's there and he's the pick at 26, it makes some sense to me. Okay, from the 617 area code, uh, this one is about a, a couple of a couple of linebackers that maybe the Browns could end up uh, having an interest in. Zayvon Collins is uh, a guy that has been protected to the Browns. So this guy asks, as intriguing as Zayvon Collins is, I don't think he fits their profile as he lacks elite speed. More and more mocks seem to show uh, Jeremiah Owusu Koromoa. I'm trying to get that name right. Falling that was good. <laughs> that was actually right. That's that's yes. how you pronounce it. So well done. I, I saw that name in a few of these questions. I said, I got to make sure I get that one right, especially because if he ends up coming to the Browns, uh, he seems to fit their profile better. More of the bullet concept that OSU, that Ohio State is now playing and the Jabril Peppers played at Michigan. This person is looking for their Devin White. Of those two guys, who do you like? Who, who would you like more? I think Owusu Koromoa might be my choice of the two guys. I think he, the way he plays, I know he's weighed only about 221 pounds at his pro day, so he's not the prototypical linebacker in terms of size. But when I see him, he seems like a, a smaller, lighter Isaiah Simmons. Very similar player in that he's just simply a playmaker. You can put, you can move him all over the defense. as kind of a positionless defender. You can play him at, at linebacker in certain situations. You can play him as a rover at safety. He can cover in the slot if needed to. There's a lot to love about his game, and I think he's just an outstanding playmaker. I've talked before about the play he had against Clemson when he takes a pitch out to Travis Etienne and he steals it and scores a touchdown. That tells you so much about just the kind of player he is. Now, Zayvon Collins is an interesting guy. I mean, he, in the same vein as Owusu Kormo, is a physical force, but in a different way. Of course, he's 260 pounds. He's got sideline to sideline speed, but I don't know if he has the versatility that Owusu Koromoa has. I think with Owusu Koromoa, you can line him up all over the defense. I think with Collins, you pretty much have to leave him at outside linebacker. I don't think he's a guy you can ha- move up to defensive end with his hand in the dirt. Cause I think if you do that, you're taking away what he does best, which I think is his pursuit and his coverage ability. Now, the other question I, I mentioned, this wasn't all about linebackers. The other name that was brought up was Christian Barmore. Uh, you know, Sheldon Richardson is gone. Now, Mary Kay Cabot has kind of reported there's a chance he could come back. But could you see Christian Barmore in play at 26? Or where do you think he ends up going? I could see him in play at 26. I mean, with the way Andrew Berry's done this offseason, they could go legitimately nine, ten different directions. And it wouldn't surprise me if he's available and if he's considered, because I think this is not, this is not a good defensive tackle class. It's just not deep. There are some guys with some talent. But Barmore is the only one who's going to go in the first round. And for, for a while, it looked like there, he might not even be a first-round pick because he hadn't been playing as expected. But he really turned it up in the playoff. I mean, against Ohio State, you could argue he was the best player on the field when Ohio State had the football. He was just a game wrecker from the interior. And we know the track record of Alabama defensive tackles in the NFL, whether it be Deron Payne with Washington or Quinn and Williams really – coming to life in his second season with the Jets. There's a little bit of a track record of those guys having success. And maybe if he's there, it might he should be in consideration, I think, just because you want to have that disruptive option in the middle. And in the case, Jordan Elliott doesn't pan out the way you hope he does. Okay, there were uh, a number of trade-up questions, uh, but this one right here is, is one of my favorite ones from the 904 area code. For the Browns to get one of the top cornerbacks or edge rushers, they actually said top three cornerbacks. 
how far do you think they need to trade up? Oh, that's a good question. I look at this draft. I mean, obviously you have your top four corners that we've talked about. I think if you're going to trade up, that's the position you target more so than edge rusher. Cause I think one of those edge rushers will fall to 26. Maybe one of those linebackers would fall to 26. Maybe support Moa is there. Maybe if you want receiver 26 is not a bad place to go, but looking at the draft order, um, I see I'm trying to think of a good option. I know we talked about Arizona being an option at 16. That's a long way to go for a corner, but the Cardinals need some picks. They, they still have some holes, holes to fill. Maybe they make a move there. I'm, I'm looking at the draft order. Miami doesn't need any more picks because they have a ton of them. Washington probably more inclined to move up than down. The Bears would be a team to move, move up, more up than down. The Colts and Titans, I think, are the teams you would need to get in front of if you want a corner because those are teams that could really use one, particularly the Titans, after they let Malcolm Butler leave in free agency, after Dory Jackson left in free agency. So I think those, if you want a corner, if you're the Browns, you got to find your way above those two teams to get the one you want if one of them is still available. Okay, we're going to circle back here to uh, Owusu Koromoa. Uh, another question here, speaking of trading up. Is he a player that you would trade up to get from the 440 area code? Would the Browns move up in round one to get him? And how far would they need to move up? Do you think he's a guy who's worth moving up? This person points out some mock drafts that have had him going 17 to the Raiders. I don't know if he's a guy I move up for, but more than, I mean, more than a couple spots. If he falls to like 23 with the Jets, then maybe I consider making that move. But if you're talking about trading up to like 20 or 19, that's probably a little much just because there's so many options in this draft. I think you don't want to take yourself out of options if you have a lot of players that are in a very similar grade as far as, you know, their talent and where you want to take them. So I, if based on just kind of how I see the draft and where the players are ranked, there's not a lot of separation between those those linebackers and kind of the bottom tier, those top corners and the edge rushers. So it's just, they might be more prudent to kind of stick around and kind of wait to see who falls there. Now, if he falls to 26, that's a different story altogether, but obviously see how valuable he can be, but considering they just added John Johnson to the, to the safety group, you have Grant Delphi coming back. If you want to work a Wusu Koromo in as a safety linebacker hybrid, that's definitely worth the 26 pick, but I don't know if trading up to get him would be a, a wise decision. Okay. From the five, one, three area code talking about cornerbacks. I mean, this is pretty straightforward. How do you rank the top corners in this draft? Maybe your top like five guys. I'm going to go one through five. Pat Sertana from Alabama. Number one, GC Horn from South Carolina. Number two. Now he moves up because Caleb Farley from Virginia Tech is number three, had the back surgery, I don't think it should be as big a deal as some teams do. I don't think he should fall as far as a lot of people think he's going to fall. Maybe he's a guy you trade up for just because this was a guy who has number one potential. He was battling with Sertan for most of the season to be the number one corner, even though he didn't play in 2020. Number four, Greg Newsom for Northwestern. Size, ball skills, speed. All those good things are there. And, of course, Asante Samuel rounds out the top five as kind of a fringe first rounder, maybe a guy who goes pretty quickly on Friday night. This person also wanted to know where you think Sean Wade could go. I think he's probably early day three now. This is a guy who, you know, he was a he looked like a first-round lock going into the season. 
and then the games happen. And I think it became clear as you're kind of watching that he's meant to be a slot corner that playing on the outside, he really struggled that he just did not play. He just didn't really fit in well with an outside position and seems like he's best suited to playing the slot in the NFL level. And that's not an, that's just not an, that's not a knock against him as a player. Some guys are just better suited to be slot corners. And those are guys you don't take early because you, you need as much as the importance of the slot corner has grown in the past few years with the increase in three receiver sets, four receiver sets, as much as those has improved, those are, those are positions you usually draft later on. Maybe Wade sneaks into the late day too, because team C, that he was a former five-star that he played really well out of the slot in 2019, that he was effective there. But I think he's kind of in that fringe day two, day three range. Oh, here's a good one from the 802 area code. We've talked about this, how the Browns have nine picks. Over, under on total number of draft of picks the Browns will take. I'll just simplify it. How many picks do you think the Browns actually make next weekend? I think seven. I think they'll... There'll, there'll be a combination of trading up for a guy and then trading out of a pick to get a future pick into 2021, 2022, excuse me, I keep forgetting what year it is. The way we've seen Andrew Barry operate now, I know it's only one draft, but we saw that he wants to keep stockpiling picks, keep pushing picks back into the future. And it might, might be a better idea to do that for tw- make a bunch of picks in 22 and 23 when you have to get a bunch of players on rookie deals when you got, Baker Mayfield, Nick Chubb, Denzel Ward, Miles Garrett, you're paying them all big money. You want to get some cheaper options on rookie deals. That's the time to do it. 2021 is probably not the time to do that. So we've talked a lot about trading up from the 216 area code. What are the chances the Browns trade back? I mean, what scenario would you need if you're watching the draft play out? What scenario would you need to see for you to say, you know what? Trade back. Don't you don't need to make a pick at 26. Trade back into the you know early second round and you know, maybe save yourself a little money, pick up another pick down the road. But what what scenario plays out where you might look at that and say that's the best move? I think it kind of is com- complex in a way. And I and I'll I'll point back to the dueling mock I did with Ellis, um, which you can find on Cleveland.com, of course. I look back at it and when I was on the clock at 26, I made the Browns pick. It was admittedly it's as close to a worst-case scenario as you could get. Got the top four corners were off the board. Aziz Ojolari from Georgia is off the board. Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa is off the board. I was kind of – I was struggling to make a pick, and this was a no-trade mock. I couldn't trade back. And maybe – and with, like, a bunch of guys in that second – that other group of that could be available picks later, guys like Jalen Phillips from Miami, Gregory Rousseau from Miami, you got – Saban Collins in there. You've got Asante Samuel there. Maybe that's the time you move back, see if you can pick up picks, see if you can pick up a third, and then turn around maybe day two. Use If you get an extra third, package that in with 51, another third, and fly up the board on Friday to get a, to get a much earlier second-round pick. That might It's creative maneuvering, but we've seen, of course, with Andrew Berry, he's very creative when it comes to maneuvering and manipulating the board and how he wants to move. So I think it, it ultimately comes down to are those four are those four corners out the board? Is Ojolari out the board? Is Alusu Cormo out the board? Is a receiver you really, really want 
available, but you don't want to take him at 26? I think those are the questions that all need to be asked before you make that move. And the other question in play, is there a team that you think will be in for Davis Mills at 26? I know he's a red hot name that has been just, he's been, his draft stock has soared like crazy in the past few weeks. With the fifth-year guaranteed option, is the team going to want to trade up to get him in the first round? And if so, the Browns could have quite a haul of picks potentially to play with. And then that opens the door for more creativity, pushing those picks into the future. I know you obviously don't want to make a 1,000 picks with a team that's contending for the Super Bowl, but at the same time, you also have to consider the future. So there's, there's options there that are in play. And I know I just said a lot of them, but with where they are at the draft, I mean, there's about 40 different things that can happen. So it's just about flexibility. Now you mentioned Ojolari and from the 915 area code uh, says, this is the first time in years, maybe decades that the Browns can take the best player available approach. Do you think they'll take that approach? Ojolari might represent the best marriage between need and best player available. Uh, so, I, I mean, do you kind of agree with that? Is, is he a, a guy that sort of fills that need and also could end up being the best available at 26? It's so hard to know because you know, maybe a corner falls or something like that, but could, could you see it playing out that way? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I know, obviously, after signing Jadavian Clowney, that there may not necessarily be a need for an edge rusher to contribute this year, but we also have to remember that Clowney and Tack McKinley have had injury issues. So maybe if maybe edge rusher at 26 is still in play, Ojolari is a guy that could, you know, be a starter next year in 2022, depending on how he plays the season. Maybe you draft him. He probably puts on about six, seven more pounds to get into the mid two fifties. And then he can really be turned loose in 22 as your starter opposite miles Garrett. If say Tack McKinley and Jadavian Clowney play so well that, they price themselves out of the Browns range for to want to keep them next year. That's not a bad way to go. I've talked a lot about how much I love Ojolari's game. That really the things he needs to improve are things that can be worked on in the NFL. He, he has the speed and the motor that I think you're looking for. Just needs to maybe get a little bigger to play in the four, three base and has to work on some technical things. But again, those are things that you can do that you can improve on at the NFL level. Okay. A few more questions here. Uh, this one comes from the 814 area code. How many starters do you think this draft produces for the Browns? Um, I think two, maybe three. I Again, it, it depends on who they pick. I mean, there's, there is a scenario where they only get one starter, and that's not even in, until like the third round or whatever. There's always scenarios like that. Again, it depends on how the board falls. Obviously, we're taking an edge rusher. He's probably not going to start day one. If you're taking a corner, he can probably start day one, especially if he's an outside guy, if he beats that greedy Williams linebacker potentially, because, you know, there's so much, it's so wide open at that position. And it's always going to depend on situations and things like that. Christian Barmore could start day one receivers, not starting day one, you know, with, with obviously all the veterans in front of them, the if you take a receiver early, which I kind of think is would be a prudent move, maybe not necessarily in round one, but round two, you're drafting him for 2022, depending on whether you want to move on from Odell Beckham or Jarvis Landry for cap purposes or whatever. So it's all positional, but I think two starters out of this draft is, is not a bad expectation. 
Yeah, there were uh, a couple questions about drafting a wide receiver. And, I, you know, we've kind of been over it on a few of these pods where, you know, I know in a lot of your mock drafts, you've had them taking a receiver. You know, you've kind of been on uh, been on Deami Brown uh, for them when that's been available. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think drafting a receiver is a reality. But there was another position that a few people asked about because, listen, in Cleveland, we can't help ourselves. This is what we're used to. <laughs> Will the Browns draft a quarterback in the later round? Isn't it a nice thing just for, <laughs> I mean, all the, all the guys, all you guys on the Browns beat that you don't have to worry about quarterbacks if you're not having to watch Zach Wilson tape or Justin Fields tape or Mac Jones. That's got to be a relief for you guys, I'm sure. <laughs> oh, it's great. But, uh, oh, yeah. I, I don't blame you guys. But, yeah, I was torn on this when it comes to developmental quarterbacks because, you know, on one hand, you're a Super Bowl contender. You have to kind of focus on that and kind of draft guys for for the now and potentially a year or two down the road. But on the other hand, you know, Case Keenum is still making about $7.8 million. He's, he's got one more year in his contract after this season. Do you move on from him, save about $6.5 I looked it up on Track. I think it's about $6 million or so you're saving if you let him go to, to get a developmental quarterback. So maybe you take one. I, I do think you at least need to have like a backup option just in case, maybe he's a guy you stashed this year. You try to sneak onto the practice squad and hope nobody claims him. The guy I like for that is Ian Book out of Notre Dame. I think he's a day three pick. He doesn't have the strongest arm, but he's accurate. He's mobile. Obviously, he's got good leadership. He helped Notre Dame get to the college football playoff twice. He doesn't turn the ball over. And I think that's all you're looking for in a backup quarterback. You're not looking for a guy who's going to light the world up with his arm that he's going to throw for 4,000 yards. You're not looking for that. You're looking for stable, solid, just protects the football. And Book, I think, is a guy that you can eventually groom into that role. From the 330 area code, we'll wrap up on this because we've talked so much about corners already, but uh, this person wants to know about corners later in the draft, so not necessarily a guy they could get at 26. Second or third round guys, or even, I mean, if you want to go day three, because I know you kind of gave us your corner rankings, but who are some cornerback possibilities outside of round one? Um, I think day two, I'm looking, you know, the Georgia, the Georgia duo stands out to me. Eric Stokes is, is an interesting player because he tested extremely well at a very fast 40 time. He's got size 6'1", 185. Another option, if you're going for Georgia, Tyson Campbell, it was a former five-star prospect. This guy with tremendous size, 6'2". I mean, you're looking for a size corner who's agile. He can move. That's a guy you look for. He didn't quite have the numbers and the production you would expect from a five-star. Some injury questions, but he's interesting because, again, the size is intriguing. The athleticism is, is intriguing. It seems like teams are always looking, to, looking at those athletes saying, like, you know, you look at the things that, you can't coach. You can't coach size. You can't coach speed. You can't coach how well a guy flips his hips and things of that sort. So I think those are guys you look at. I've been I've been in on Benjamin St. Juice from Minnesota because he's a bigger guy as well, 6'3", extremely agile as well. More raw, I think, but he's, he's an interesting developmental prospect. Maybe you work him in early on, and if he's better than expected, maybe he starts in 2022, but there's options in day two if they don't go at 26 and get a corner. 
Okay, there you have it. Lots of draft questions answered there by Tim B. Like our Football Insider subscribers come through. As always, whenever we ask for questions, you guys always come through. And of course, if you want to get involved in Football Insider, uh, head to cleveland.com slash Browns. It's that blue banner up at the top of the page. Tim, it is almost here. The draft is, is right there. There was one other question. Somebody wanted to, us to give them advice how to stay up late enough to actually watch the Browns draft pick. You know, take a nap, maybe get some exercise, some coffee. I don't know. This is, this is a new world for Browns fans. <laughs> yeah, I would advise it if you can, an afternoon nap's not a bad way to go. <laughs> <laughs> Get some caffeine. Don't necessarily eat the biggest meal. Don't go out and eat like a giant stack of pancakes at <laughs> seven, eight o'clock or something like that. Maybe get yourself a coffee. Maybe get like one of those Pepsi Zero Sugars. I mean, hey, they, those have more calorie. Those have more caffeine than a can of Coke Zero. Actually, we have both at our home. And if I need a little more caffeine, that's what I'm going for. But <laughs> I, yeah, it's gonna be weird. It's gonna be about 10, 45, 11 o'clock, and the Browns want to pick. It's going to be, it's a whole new world we're living in right now. It's like get, get used to it, Browns fans. I think it's going to be like this for a, for a little while. But yeah, no turkey dinners. That's a big thing. No, no big draft turkey dinners uh, before, before this one. All right, Tim, thanks for the time. You got it. 